Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Most people's lives could be considered unremarkable. Aside for one or two defining moments. Moments where people find out who they really are. Which way the Irish ferries, mate? The search is over. You did want me to do that, didn't you? They were speaking their own language. They weren't speaking in English. You don't think they could have been speaking Welsh? This gentleman has been sent by a crime family who are intent on taking over your turf. Hand on your takings. How much is it? One pound twenty. Oh, come on. We usually encourage tourists to stick to sightseeing. Anything unusual today? Do you have anything to chop them up with? Nothing out of the obvious. What can anyone tell me about our friend in the toll booth? No one will tell the truth when it comes to you. I want to know why. I done a terrible thing a long time ago. Somebody's gonna have to pay for it. Shit just got dark, boy. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 359. Releasing in select Australian cinemas on the 29th of July is The Toll, a crime comedy that stars Michael Smiley as a lonely toll booth operator whose dark past quickly catches up to him. A Wales shot and set urban western that is violent, funny and clever with equal measure the Toll also marks the feature film debut of Ryan Andrew Hooper, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. Ryan, I thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Matthew. So you are the director of The Toll and your screenwriter on this is um, Matt Red. And you two have collaborated for quite some time on, on numerous projects, shorts and et cetera. Um, the origins of the toll, though, that goes back to, say, from what I've read in my research, 2013 to 2014. And from what I gather, you guys were thinking about doing a feature. And the question was, what movie would you two want to watch at the cinema on a Friday night? And the toll is pretty much the result of that. What was it about the story of the toll, um, especially in regards to, I guess, making a urban western in Wales that really appealed to you? not only as a filmmaker, but a film fan, that you would want to watch that film on a Friday night around the corner in a cinema from your place? Um, I think that's a, really, that's a good question. I think what, what it was for us was that um, we, when we, we sort of started out thinking about how we were going to, what sort of film we were going to make, there's like a, I don't know, think of, there's like a, a we kind of drilled it down to the core of what it is that would make us part of our money. 
to sort of want to go to the cinema to watch it. And that was the idea was that it was always going to be a cinema project. And so what is it that's going to, because streaming is so prevalent and um, and easy. And obviously, you know, with the lockdowns that everyone's been having, it's yes. just boom. Um, so it was like, what is it that's going to make us think, oh, I'd like to sort of um, pay money to sit in a room with a bunch of people who I don't know in the dark and watch something on screen. So we just thought about the films that we loved, the types of films that we loved. And, it's, you know, between the pair of us, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty diverse. So um, the that kind of became the core of what it is that we were going to do. It's like, well, let's, you know, let's be ambitious. Let's kind of try and um, swing to the raptors a little bit. And that was sort of what we attempted with the total was that the budget was very, very small. And, and it's made as part of a scheme in in Wales called Cinematic, which mm-hmm. is a fully funded, the film has become fully funded. So in some respects, it's good because it's a go project. So you're more likely to get yeses from cast and crew because you know, they're not waiting for um, you know, a, a financial package to be constructed. It's just like, right, we've got a date, we're shooting, boom, we can get a cast and crew. So, but what the kind of prevailing wisdom is when you've got like no money, no time, blah, 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 is sort of a very limited cast, maybe one or two casts, very small contained um, locations, you know, small contained story. And we just thought, like, I thought, well, screw it i might never make another one you know i think it's something the figures of never make of se- uh, first-time filmmakers making a second one is terrible it's like 90 odd percent never make another one and mm. um, so I thought, right, this might be the last one we ever make so i want let's just go for it let's just go let's just go for like uh good a cast as we could possibly get let's go for big you know like big wide vistas really use the location of wales as um our added production value you know listen like cars and guns and animals and all the stuff you're not supposed to do um and but then drill it into like a small contained sort of um story you know it's not a it's not a well i think the thing one of the big touchstones for us was sort of like calvary the guard fargo i think it's pretty obvious if you watch the film the films that we love Mm. um you know, and Fargo is like if you think what the actual core story is, it's so, it's so like fun. If you know, if his father-in-law had just said yes, I'll give you some money to buy the car park or whatever, you know, it wouldn't have been a thing. You know, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have. It was a, it's a tiny little story, really, but you know, one of the greatest films I've ever made, probably. So, um, um, that was the kind of um the thought process behind it was let's be ambitious because we might never do it again. And we'd, I'd never heard of a West Whalian Western. So mm. I thought, I love Westerns. It is kind of the medium that cinema is best at, I think. Um, you know, if you think of things like John Ford and, well, just there's so many li- li- lists of them. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of the idea behind it, really, was this. Let's just swing to the rafters, and you know we know we were going to fail in some respects, or it was going to look a bit creaky. But um, we were hoping that um, people would be able to understand the intention behind it. Well, an interesting thing that happened while you and and um, Matt were putting together the idea for the film was that you actually made a short based on the premise. The initial premise of the toll is, is set in the short. Um, in the short's called Ambition. That was released in two thousand nineteen. When you put ambition together and you put it on the screen, 
is that sort of like a litmus test as to what you have on on in script form so far when you finally when you see something on screen your idea up there does that give you an idea what works what doesn't do we add more characters do we take some away um because usually when i talk to filmmakers especially independent filmmakers it's the other way around the short comes first and then they build upon the feature afterwards but you guys were already developing the feature when ambition had come out yeah that's sure you were what probably the first journalist who I've spoken to who's clocked that most people think it was sort of the other way around but it, the, the script came the feature came first um and what happened was in in the, the UK as, as well as the cinematic scheme was also a scheme called the beacons mm. which was a, a short film a fully funded short film scheme and we thought oh well let's you know we know we're going to go for cinematic let's use the beacons as um a proof of concept and we had to have a discussion then about, right, do we do the first 10 pages of the feature or do we do a film, like, a, you know, a short film just within that world? And I was not a fan of the idea of doing the sort of first 10 pages. Um, I think I'd seen uh, The Babadook and mm-hmm. there was a short film that I think was the precursor to that. But the actual story in the short film was like, self-contained in and of itself and had a lot of elements of the, the feature. Yeah. And I sort of preferred that approach. So, um, but the, so what, what came from the short was it's very different to the feature. It's sort of, um, it's kind of weird. <laughs> the short is, is, is quite surreal. Like we, had, we shot, we shot in a, um, in a studio in, we shot in Pinewood Studios, which sounds very, um, Pinewood Studios in Wales at the time. It's, it's not called that anymore, but, um, it was very sort of flash, but we ended up having, we didn't shoot in a studio. We ended up shooting in kind of like one of the side buildings that is basically a glorified shed. Mm. So like the sound was terrible because like it had like crinkly sort of um, roof tile or something on the, something in the seat, which is sort of like, if there's ever any rain, you know, it would, you would hear it. Um, this is a nightmare for the sound guys, but um, it added a completely different feel to it because we sort of, we had to, get a load of drapes and black everything out and it became very uh in, because we couldn't you know fake a background it had to be shot at night primarily um and i think what it what it did for us was kind of create for me it created an understanding of how well the triplets worked because the triplets are in the short yes um and was a, a good test of how to film you know one actor playing three parts you know, and then we were very low fi you know, we didn't use, I, I was I'm not a huge fan of CGI and that sort of thing. I wouldn't have it at all if I, if I could get away with it. Um, so it was like, oh, let's go back to old school kind of techniques of, you know, stand-ins and things like that. And, and you know, there's one of the reasons why they wear masks. Yes. Um, so that worked quite well. And then also an understanding that the lead actor had to be somebody compelling who could hold you know, could, could hold that character. So you know, in the show is Simon Russell Beale, who is, you know, possibly the greatest theatre actor of all time. It was completely bonkers that he agreed to do it. Um, couldn't, yeah, we so literally couldn't believe it um, when he agreed to do it. But um, I think when it came to the, the feature, it was like another thing is like, right, you need this lead character to be someone who is compelling presence on screen. Um, and then there was the Western element to it. You know, there was a, a man in black kind of character who was the bag man, you know, and he comes, comes out of the mist. And we had a slightly 
surreal character as the jogger who pays the toll. You know, the only person who actually does pay the toll in um, uh, at all. You know, usually people just walk through. <laughs> um, yeah. He's actually the only character who ends up paying. Um, so the, the key elements were in it. And then that kind of set the stage then for how we would approach the feature. And it's like, well, I, you know, we can do this. It works. You know, the, the Western feel works. And um, apologies if you could hear my doctor in the background. <laughs> um, and yeah, that, that was kind of the, um, that was kind of what we used the show for really. And we, you know, we had a little bit of success with it and, and you know, what have you, but it worked really well then when we went into the, um, the actual interviews to have, you know, to kind of try and secure the funding is that then I could present, you know, me and Matt put a lot of effort into how we pitch things and we could present then, a tra- I cut a trailer, basically sort of sat down, watched about a billion trailers, learned like, you know, some of the little techniques and stuff they use to kind of create as, you know, as awesome a trailer as you possibly can. And, with the limited amount of footage we had from the show, to try to cut something together that would be, you know, visually striking enough to kind of convince the um, the people giving it, people handing out the money that we could do it. And um, this is sort of how the film would look. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books and musicians celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door the matt's movie reviews podcast is brought to you by loot crate founded in 2012 loot crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes loot crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment gaming sports and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates produce interactive experiences in digital content and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. Your toll booth operator in the film is played by Michael Smiley. And like you, the character himself has such a great poker face. You don't know what cards he's holding and you really need that actor to, to really bring that to life. And I thought that Michael did a terrific job in that. From, from what I understand, this is like, I think this might perhaps be his first lead um, in a movie. Um, Cause I don't think I've like the other things I've seen him in like kill this, which is absolutely terrific in as well. He's been always playing the supporting uh, actor. Um, but this being his first lead, and I know you're a big fan of the, of the show Spaced and, and I'm Maddie's as well, I'm sure securing him, number one, would have been, would, he's like great for the role because he just, he plays it to a T. But also I'd imagine with you being the independent production, grabbing someone like Michael Smiley, 
would have opened up the gates for to get even more cast on onto the film because you know a lot of times when it comes to any productions you need that name to to sign on to be able to get more people involved yeah sure. michael actually ended up being one of the the, the later cast actually but oh, really? he did he did well like we were initially sort of working with simon um and he was going to do it, but then he had this crazy sort of scheduling conflict. So um, then he dropped out and then it suddenly became it's such an important role. We had to start thinking about, or I, you know, I had to start thinking about who are we going to be able to get to replace, like I said, somebody who makes his living by literally captivating an audience. You know, he is, you know, that's his background is that, you know, he's used to being on stage and having to hold an audience and he, you know, his, his skill set is, is self-evident. Um, who are we going to be able to find that can be the equivalent? So I thought, well, we're not going to find someone exactly the same assignment. So let's, let's broaden it out. And with, with Michael, it was trying to work, you know, that is a tough, that's a tough role and it's a tough pool of actors to kind of cast from because, so guys Michael's age, who are male are quite used to being leads and um, are in demand. So it's a tough pool to kind of to kind of cast out. It's, it's the most difficult one, probably. So then we had to try and find someone who we thought could pull it off. And with with Michael, it was like, I mean, I always had held him in huge esteem to be honest with you. And I was amazed when we, we talked about this. And again, you, you're right to your research. This is his first time that he was sort of number one on the call sheet. He told me that. I couldn't believe it. It was like, that is, that is like, seems mental that this is his first lead. Mm. Um, I thought, how am I, I have to find someone who can sit in a room silently looking at a window and you'd want to watch it. And I think if you think about his role in his, like his versatility as an actor, I, I don't know if there's anyone, I don't know if there's anyone quite the same, like, um, cause like, Think about his, like, his role in Kill List, and then you know, he's in the TV series Looser, for example, and then his his character in Spaced. It's just so eclectic, but I think he's pretty much flawless in everything I've ever seen him in. And I always felt like massively underutilized. Like he's not, he's not when the places support supporting characters. I'm always, you know, I used to think like maybe he's not used as much as he, he as he should be. So, um, but he's also got an edge. Uh, Michael and I think I think it comes from because he's from Northern Ireland and like I you know I've, I've been to Northern Ireland and like it's still like as a as a cohort of people they are absolutely lovely but there is an edge there because there is a past yes um and that whether they realize it or not that kind of does stem through and I thought he is he can maybe do something with a look which would mean I can cut a lot of dialogue which is your dream as an actor, as a, as a, as a director, sorry. Awful for a writer, but as directors, like if I can just get away with Michael conveying a story point or a character point or a tone shift just from a look, I know he can do it because I've seen him do it. You know? And he did, you know, he was, like he was sort of a joy to work with. And also, you know, from a part, you know, the, the, our relationship is like watching him you know, sitting down looking at your monitor and, you know, it's, it, it, as you can imagine, low budget, it's winter in Wales. We're on, mm. we're on the very edge of um, 
the coast, which gets all of the weather first from coming up from like the Atlantic. Um, so it's always raining, and we, it's like it's like sort of almost got its own microclimate of just being horrible, really. Um, so like all that stuff's going on, and then you sit down, and look at the monitor, and then you just see Michael do his stuff, and you think, ah, okay, it's working. You know? Like this, for example, some of the stuff with him in the booths in, when it's nighttime. I don't. Well, maybe he was trying to release what the uh, the weather was like, but it was literally raining sideways. It was like bucketing down with rain. The the booths were shaking. Um, it was insane. It was an insane situation to film in. But Michael is you would never be able to tell. You watch when I see that scene. That's all I can see is the weather. So I know, you know, would be you know the Welsh weather trying to blow us off the edge of the cliff. Um, <laughs> but his sort of serenity and then that tiny bit of like edge um, is what that character needed. And yeah, I mean, like it was working with, I mean, I, I think I didn't realize how beloved he is. <laughs> like yeah. in the end of, I, 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 I just always thought he was a really good actor, but like people love him, like really, really love him. So um, we've kind of been able to ride on his coattails, but actually just, sorry, I've walked on. Going back to your, the beginning of the question, for example, he did bring his credibility, he did bring cast. For example, he brought Iwan, Iwan Rayon in, um, yeah. because Iwan's partner was a huge fan of space. Um, he just had a, a child and we were like, we, when we were filming, we were staying in a holiday camp, basically. And he's like, well, just bring the family down, we'll get you a cottage and uh, you can come down with your partner and your, um, your, your, your child and, you know, and, but it was that nudge from his partner to say, oh, you know, it's, it's mighty, you've got to work with it. You know, um, so, yeah, that, that was, he definitely brought you and Ray on in. Um, I'm hoping he went like the script, but I think it's mainly because it was my problem. <laughs> what I love about the Tollbooth character is that he's so unassuming, there's a mystery to him. And it's alluded to that he has a past, and we all know that there's a past here but you never once hint as to what that past is. Um, and I love that about the character because I think sometimes filmmakers might be tempted to maybe do a flashback sequence or maybe a monologue or something, but in this film you don't have that. And, I, and I'd love that about him because it just adds more mystery and makes the character so much more intimidating as well. When it comes to that past of that character, though, does Michael like to have some type of background story? Does he develop his own or does he not work in that way? Um, I've well, kind of, yeah, I've got my own ideas about what it is that his past is, and I've spoken to to Michael about that. Um, he may have his own. <laughs> He's a strong-willed guy. Like, if you don't necessarily need to listen to me, but I told him what um, what I think the backstory is, um, and I think. It's so, the reason we didn't allude to it is because it wasn't important. Yeah. You know, like if you think about the opening to Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, when sort of Lee Van Cleef turns up at the, at the homestead out of nowhere, you know, sort of thing. Um, like it, it, it doesn't matter what's the reason that he's there, really. Like, um, but that is something that I was sort of like interested in was like, well, we talked about you know what the backstory could be and what and I said, well, it just doesn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what the reasoning, the specific reason is behind it. You know, and it's more interesting that it, it 
it's more interesting if you don't know. And I think Matt and I sort of were both big fans of The Dark Knight and I think trying to work out being nerdy filmmakers or when I heard The Dark Knight was being um, made with Big Nolan and, and he was talking about having the Joker in it. I thought, oh, I was like, how would you make the Joker not, you know, caricature a character? How would you make his Nolan stuff is you know, not realist, obviously, but it's a bit more embedded in the real world rather mm-hmm. than cartoony. It's like, what would that backstory be? And I remember thinking to myself, I'll come up with one. And I came up with this backstory that, you know, his father was abusive and that the scars on his face were things that he cut into his cheeks. And that ended up being in the film. But then also there was a lot of other stuff he made up. Yeah. Made up a lot of other rubber, you know. And I thought he told everybody different stories. I was like, ah, that is way more interesting because it reveals more about that character than it does um you knowing what the backstory is. You know, him him being capricious and you know making up rubbish and telling lies and manipulating people is like that's more important than actually knowing what the you know, the, the true story is. And I thought with with Michael's character or with with Tobus, it was like actually him, him not him um, hoarding information. That is his currency. That, yeah. that was his currency in a previous life. Was his ability to understand and have information that others didn't, and that is how he operates in the toll booth. And that is how he um, that's how he works. And I think one of the things I I said to to Michael was that to think about was that the toll booth. Right, is a destination. It's not a waypoint. You know, it's a diff- it's, people only go there because they want to see him. It isn't like what a real toll is, which is just something that you know it's on the way and you don't pay much attention to. You, know, you just chip him and then go through. It was like actually, apart from Elton getting lost, that's the only time people ever get is if they get lost. But if you go to the toll, then um, you go into the toll. You're not going somewhere and passing by. Yeah, is he is this man who has this information? He is the center point of of that little community, and he does that by having knowledge and knowing when not to reveal that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And he knows that uh, he never gives away anything more than he needs to, and he doesn't need to give that information away. So that is by no, you know it, it isn't like it wasn't a lazy construct of us thinking like oh let's just be all mysterious. <laughs> it was thinking about his character and um, I think Michael understood that being more important than actually what the backstory is. Um, but, but no, me and, there is a backstory and I, you know, me and Michael did discuss it um, about what it is, but I think the more important thing was him knowing it's the fact that he doesn't give away that information. That's the character, important counterpoint. And I, I think he jumped off from that and, um, and yeah, did a great job. The movie is um, shot and set in Pembrokeshire, which is like a little village for people who don't know. It's like a little village. It's in the northern side of, of Wales. Is that is that correct? No, it's, uh, it's a county. Pembrokeshire is a county. Okay. Uh, and it's um, uh, it's in the west. It's west. west. So not, not, not so southwest. South, but they, if you said southwest, they'd probably be mad too. It's the west. <laughs> And um, your screenwriter, Matt Red, he he grew up there, didn't he? He did, yeah. And I've heard him describe it as kind of like as the end of the world. It's like you can turn left and you fall off at like a, a cliff face or, or something uh, similar to that. Um, and I also read that you mentioned before 
filming in winter that you had to deal with the wind and the rain, but you also had to deal with flooding as well, didn't you? <laughs> How do you know that? Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, yeah, it was not on sets, fortunately, but like, um, it's just part of the course living there. But like, there was, um, I think, yeah, what, probably my favorite story was we were coming out, we were going traveling to a set, going through some of the tiny lakes, and one of the lanes had flooded. And, um, our location manager was was beached like it, there was his, just his car was there his high car was there um and it was up to you know way above the axle of water and the car couldn't move and we were like oh god and he got out of the car and just looked at us and just went and waved and said go on without me like he was some sort of fallen soldier <laughs> i couldn't stop laughing but as he did that his laptop fell into the water uh, oh, no. never got it back it disappeared Boof, it was gone um but yeah, no, the set didn't flood, fortunately. Like, unbelievably, the kind of, the, the set and the boots and everything kind of survived all of the harshness of, of where we were. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is just the, the perils of working in, in West Wales. I think it's why um, I think a lot of Hollywood movies are shot in Wales, right? Like, I think we were one beach over from where they filmed either Robin Hood or Thor or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a reason why they don't stay there that long, because <laughs> the window to actually sort of get anything before the Welsh weather tries to beat the crap out of you um, is quite small. So you, I think we learned, well, it was, you know, you have a bit of a moan, it's like, oh, why do all these films come to shoot in Wales? And then, you know, they're only here for like, you know, GVs and B-roll and stuff. You think, ah, this is why you're uh-huh. for GVs and B-roll. Because, you know, we quite, you know, we literally almost all had our actors blown off into sea. So, um, yeah, I think if you ended up having Chris Hemsworth blown off into sea, you wouldn't be able to cover the insurance. Um, yeah, re- yeah, remarkably, when I watched the film, it didn't, just thinking back about it, I don't seem to remember scenes, many scenes where it seemed to be rain and such. In fact, it, it seemed like a lot of times your cinematographer, Adrian um, Peckett, who, who worked with you on Ambition, he seemed to yeah. capture the sun quite a bit, actually. It, it seemed like a very vibrant, like you see a lot of the greens and a bit of sun in there as well. Yeah, it's movie magic. Isn't it? We sort of caught the best bits. I think we had elements, like some of the drone stuff. We were fortunate that we shot in, we shot it in summer. And I think me and, there was a day when me and Adrian went up together and just shot some bits and bobs with the drone. Um, and there was enough. It's more like the... Um, caprice of the Welsh weather as opposed to anything else it's like mm-hmm. it'll go from being quite sunny and nice to then being totally and utterly horrendous and we were fortunate enough like for example the like my favorite scenes in the film one of them is when the triplets in the car and we're in a car alongside and they, they've got a gun in the air and they're driving towards the booth and we, we sort of shooting into the sun and you know, it was very western we caught that kind of magic hour and the same when the the daimler turns up and is on the horizon and the lights go out mm-hmm. we were really fortunate that we caught that time but i think literally just after heavens opened you know um i think there is actually a scene as well where the the triplets avoid a puddle I think, um which we kind of managed to cut around but yeah it's more like just the the fact that the worst weather is um has almost got a mind of his own <laughs> and will do what he wants to do and you don't really have much uh, say over it. 
Um, yeah. You talked before about many films, Hollywood productions, for example, filming in Wales. I'm curious, yeah. though, when it comes to local productions, what's the um, the Wales film industry like? Is this something that's more um, becoming bigger and burgeoning? Because I have noticed there are a few films coming out from Wales. In fact, one of your um, one of your leans, Anne's Elby, she's going to be in a film called A Feast, which is coming out pretty soon, and that was that's also a Welsh film as well. Is there a groundswell now of uh, Welsh filmmakers filming in Wales, and are we going to see more product from that country? I think so. Like the feasts um, is uh, made in the same scheme as uh, uh, the toll was, um, and Roger and Lee have been sort of, you know, kind of staples of the Welsh industry for a while. And um, I think um, there's also Prano Bailey Bonds done censor. Um, Gareth Evans, who did the raid, he's come back. Um, he's come back to Wales and is making havoc with um, Tom Hardy, who's just mm-hmm. gone to Barry Island, which is a tiny, which is a very, uh, I don't know, kind of a Barry Island. It's like a, it's kind of like a, a, a quaint, I just want to say it in a nice way. It, it, it's like a, a typical British seaside resort. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's turned up there and people are like, you know, their minds are blown a bit. Tom Hardy has turned up there. But Gareth, because of the success of the raid, um, he's got a bit more. I mean, he did Apostle as well here. I think, well, you know, bits and bobs were here. Um, so, yeah, I think that the film, the, the Welsh Film Agency, or Film Cymru, as they're called, they've, um, we work really closely with them and they've obviously given us a lot of money recently, right? So I'm going to, I've probably been bribed to say this, but um, I think they've done a really good job in trying to, foster that um foster that community and you know when i was starting out we came through there was like a website called film shed which was like a you know, early days of the internet it was like um just a forum really where people where filmmakers were filmmakers would talk and a lot of people from that have gone on and, and done things you know gareth was on it um and ryan andrews who a few years ago he made elfie hopkins which was another sort of i had ray winston here that was another like west Whalian set film and there's a load of people from that um carrie is another one of my mates carrie he made a film called convenience um and i think they've the, the, the sort of bedrock of it has been set and now um people are carrying on from it so like craig roberts is doing really well making films and you know shooting them here as you know as well and um i think that to be fair to it's easy to kind of you know see uh public body public bodies and funding bodies and they say no to more people and they say yes to you know, there's a hundred people they'll probably say yes to three people and then that means there's a lot of disgruntled people um but i do think in fairness to them they've done a really good job of trying to foster that industry here um i think matthew vaughan the guy who did like kick ass and the x-men films i think he mm-hmm. once said like there is no industry and i think when he said that he was right you know i think that what britain was was sort of a little bit of a, a tax haven because of the you know there's quite there's quite um generous tax breaks here to shoot here but it was just sort of fleeting industries coming in and out you know industry coming in and out and using a tax break to make a bit of money and, and what have you but I do think what's happened since is there's an attempt to try and um, actually create an industry, and it's you know it is really tough to do. Um, but I'd like to think that 
you know, Wales is trying to punch above it. You know, we're a tiny little country. <laughs> you know, it's like three million of us. Um, so I think we're we're trying to punch above our weight, and that's been me and me and Matt were sort of envious of Ireland because they're not that much bigger than Wales, really, which is a population, but they they really do have a really strong industry mm. um, based around an you know quintessentially what an Irish film is that travels, you know, you know that um, will will land with audiences all over the place. You know? um, and we just thought, well, let's let's try and do that as well. Let's try and add to the to the um, the, the the gumbo of film industry in Britain. It's like let's try and add our own little bit to it. Um, and yeah. But yeah, no, I think the film industry here, the, the Welsh film agency or film company as they called have done a really good job. Uh, and I hope they listen to this podcast and give me more money. <laughs> well I I really hope that we've if the toll's in the indication, I think that the film industry in Wales is going to have a bright future. And with filmmakers such as yourself, Ryan, and and with Matt as a screenwriter as well, you guys did really great work here with the toll. And for everyone out there listening, it releases 29th of July, select Australian cinemas. Be sure to watch the toll. It's a great crime comedy, really dark, um, really witty. Um, kept me on my toes through the whole thing. Great performance as well. Has a whole kind of urban western to it. Uh, feel to it as well and it all kind of works so well all together and um ryan i just want to say thank you so very much for for your time today and congrats with the film as well and i can't wait for people to watch this film because i watched it a couple nights ago and i absolutely loved it and um just want to say again thank you for your time today and congratulations oh thank thank you very much appreciate really appreciate it really yeah thank still can't believe it's in australia it blows my mind a bit and it's on the other side of the world but thank you so much take care Take care. Bye-bye.